everyone, I'm your host, Bella Page, and after suffering from post-concussion syndrome for years, it was time to do something about it. So welcome to the Post-Concussion Podcast, where we dig deep into life when it doesn't go back to normal. Be sure to share the podcast and join our support network, Concussion Connect. Let's make this invisible injury become visible. The Post-Concussion Podcast is strictly an information podcast about concussions and post-concussion syndrome. It does not provide nor substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are simply intended to spark discussion about concussions and post-concussion syndrome. Welcome to episode number 81 of the Post-Concussion Podcast with myself, Bell Page, and today's guest, Dr. Sarah Pospos. Dr. Pospos completed her psychiatry residency as chief resident at UCLA. As a sports psychiatrist and former student athlete, she is devoted to helping aspiring current and former athletes with depression, performance and general anxiety, insomnia, and other psychiatric challenges associated with injury, concussion, retirement from sports, overtraining, and others. Dr. Pospos also empowers athletes to optimize and balance their lives by incorporating exercise, nutrition, sleep, stress management, efficient time management, especially as a mom of two under two, and other lifestyle changes in her telepsychiatry practice. Welcome to the show, Dr. Postpost. Hi, Bella. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. So do you want to tell everyone what created your interest in concussions? Yes, absolutely. So hi, everyone. <laughs> As a sports psychiatrist and a former student athlete, I think it goes without saying that sports has always been a big part of my life. And one of my favorites is football. So as you all know, in football, concussion is very common. Most recently, we learned about what happened to Tua from the Dolphins as well, for example. But unlike other injury, with concussion, there are so many layers, right? So for instance, there's so much unpredictability that goes with it in terms of you know the timeline of symptoms, timeline for recovery, the list goes on. And this unpredictability, of course, just take away that already limited sense of control that an athlete may have. And not only that, to make matter worse, it also takes out the coping skills to deal with this stress with the concussion itself. So as a sports psychiatrist, I you know, just recognize and realize how much of this could affect someone's mental well-being and ultimately someone's mental health as well. And you know, it goes without saying that I think it's a very, very important topic, yet very much under-recognized, unfortunately, which is why I truly appreciate your podcast, Bella, which significantly helped shed so much light on all things concussion. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really do like the under-realization about it as well, because for myself, we'll talk about it later on the show, but the anxiety of getting hurt again got really big for me after a couple of my concussions. So I actually did get help with that because mentally I'd be good. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, kind of really off 
writing and I'd feel not like myself. And it was like that fear that would set in once in a while. So there's a lot to go over, but I just wanted to ask, why should someone consider seeing a sports psychiatrist to begin with, other than, you know, like me being terrified <laughs> that you're going to go and get setbacks in your health again? Yeah, such a great question. So just as a preface, sports psychiatrist is a medical doctor who specializes in psychiatry and mental health and further specialize in treating athletes, focusing in athletes' mental health. So when and why should someone consider seeing a sports psychiatrist, right? A couple of things. First, as an athlete, you may experience some unique challenges that others won't understand. So things like choking or performance anxiety, perhaps burning out from overtraining. Of course, a lot of injuries issues, including concussion. Most sports psychiatrists are former athletes themselves like yours truly. So from that standpoint, we understand firsthand some of these unique issues that you may face. Second, as an athlete, we're trained and almost conditioned to always tough it out, that it at one point perhaps becomes a knee-jerk reaction. And with that, it may come with mixed feelings, mixed emotion about seeking treatment. So sports psychiatrists do understand these nuances, this mixed feelings, mixed emotions, and more importantly, we would love for you to feel seen, feel heard, feel understood, feel validated with a lot of these emotions that may going through your mind when seeking treatment, including mm -hmm. psychiatric treatment. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, if and when medication is indicated, an athlete may have a lot of concerns. For instance, will this medications affect my athletic performance, right? Because there are subtle nuances when selecting a medications. For instance, some medication may have potential side effects such as weight gain that, of course, is going to affect an athlete's performance, especially if it's sports related to aesthetics like gymnastics or sports that's related with weight class. A medication, for instance, might improve fine motor movement or tremor to the point that it's banned or it's considered as doping in certain sports such as archery or shooting. So all of these nuances needs to be considered when treating someone or managing an illness for athletes specifically. I really like the fact that you mentioned being an athlete yourself. It really does make a difference. I find for myself, I really understand people through concussion because I've lived through it. And that perspective is one that you can't get through reading a book. You can only get it when you've done it. And for myself, I strongly believe that as an athlete, my brain ran a lot different than most, depending on the level and your competitiveness and your obsession. But mine was very intense when it came to sports. Like there was nothing else. Sports were my life. And so when you are in that mindset, a lot of people don't understand the like, what do you mean? Like you're giving up every weekend of your life, every morning to train or to be at an event, those types of things. And yep, yes, I am. <laughs> and it's totally mm -hmm. okay with me. But can you take us through kind of an appointment with a sports psychiatrist when it is related to concussion? Yeah, absolutely. And I 100% agree with what you're saying as well. You know, sometimes, if not most times, it's very hard to understand what being an athlete may look and may feel like on a day-to-day -day for someone who's not an athlete too. So in terms of first appointment with a sports psychiatrist, it's probably not the same like what we used to see on TV. <laughs> the appointment itself could take place in an office or 
for those that offers online therapy, it could be done virtually. So it could literally be done at the comfort of your home. It may go up to an hour and the psychiatrist would just like to get to know you better. So we're going to have a chat. I'm going to be asking you several questions, you know, for instance, questions about what brought you here today, what's going on in your life right now, questions about who you are as a person. So for instance, what do you do for a living outside the athletic world? Of course, how far do you go to school, your current family life or living situation, your support system, questions about your lifestyle. So your perhaps sleep habit, your general stress level and how you usually cope with stress, things like that. Questions also about your medical history, mental health history, what worked in the past, what didn't work in the past, just so we don't go towards the same path if it's ineffective. And questions about your family history, because there might be a role, a genetic role for some, if not most, mental illness, as well as medical conditions too. In addition, if you're seeing a sports psychiatrist, we would also be interested in learning about your training, your competition, so taking a look at your performance in regards to that, your sleep, your nutrition, your energy level, your history, personal history of concussion, of injury, and things of the likes. Mm -hmm. So after taking all that into consideration, we're going to name the problem so we know what's going on. And together, we're going to go over the diagnosis and answer any questions that you may have. After that, we're going to go over treatment options, right? And then together, we're going to decide what would be the next step moving forward. So it could look like more tests, for example, if we need more clarification. It could look like talk therapy with or without medications. And it could also look like talking about tips and ways to optimize your lifestyle. Which is so important, especially when you're going through this, because I find emotional instability after a concussion is... Very frustrating. And so is there any common misconceptions you get a lot when it comes to athletes coming to you for the first time? Yeah. So I think, again, because of, you know, that training or conditioning, right, that we always have to tough it out in order to win and succeed as an athlete. There's, I think, the stigma in terms of mental health stigma is still yeah. out there. That's number one, I think. And then the second thing is it's really hard to know that we're having a problem when we don't recognize, you know, that problem, right? Recognize the symptoms. So I think the common misconception, especially with regards to mental health and psychiatry is if someone has been feeling down for a while, for example, is this quote unquote still normal? Is this just normal sadness or is this already considered clinical depression? And that misconception in terms of quote unquote naming the problem, I think tend to happen a lot as mm -hmm. well. That makes a lot of sense. I found it was really hard. I used to just tell people that I didn't have depression because it would go away the second my head pain went away. Uh, I was like, it's circumstantial. Mm -hmm. I only feel like this because my headaches, and that's what I used to tell myself, was that the second the headaches went away, the depression would go away because it matched. That's why it was there. The feelings of sadness and anger were related to that. So I'd be like, it'll all be okay because once the head pain's gone, That'll go away. But it's not really how it worked because once the head pain went away, the mental health and mental illness was still there. So mm -hmm. it was really tough. But I do really want to talk about depression and anxiety in athletes after a concussion. But we're going to take a short break before we get to that. Mm -hmm. 
Cognitive FX is a research-driven clinic that has successfully treated thousands of patients who have long-lasting symptoms from concussions or other brain-related injuries. Cognitive FX has an innovative approach to recovery that uses an advanced fMRI scan to map the function in your brain so you can see which areas are not functioning the way they need to in order to support your daily life. Treatment at Cognitive FX takes five days to complete and uses your fMRI scan as a guide and baseline to ensure that your treatment is personalized and effective. They have more than 15 different therapies at their clinic that are uniquely selected to treat the troubled areas in your brain. This means that you won't need to schedule and keep track of multiple specialists, locations, dates, times, or therapies because it will all be prepared for you when you arrive. Once you've completed their treatment, you receive a personalized at-home plan to continue your recovery and gain access to their online patient portal that has instructional videos and resources for your continued recovery. Visit their website at CognitiveFXUSA.com if treatment is right for you. Don't delay your recovery any longer. Find solutions at CognitiveFX today. Welcome back to the Post-Concussion Podcast with myself, Belle Page, and today's guest, Dr. Sarah Pospos. So depression and anxiety in athletes is something I think we miss, but it's getting better. We talk about mental illness and things a lot more than we used to. But for myself, the anxiety of getting hurt was really high, or the depression of when having to take a break was significant. And so do you have any tips for athletes that are going through things like this? Yes, that's such an important point to make. I think first and foremost, if you're experiencing, you know, depression or anxiety, especially after concussion, please know that it's very common. It happens to a lot of us, despite perhaps doing everything right by the book. It's as common as it is in athletes as, you know, versus non-athletes. In fact, I just want to throw the statistics out there that anxiety is the most common mental conditions in the U.S., and only about a third of those with anxiety goes on to seek treatment. Depression also is the number one cause of disability in the U.S., and only about two-thirds go on to seek treatment. So in terms of tips for those who are experiencing that right now, if you're in the middle of a depression, a depressive episode, or if you're in the middle of feeling very, very anxious, it's very hard to see it objectively in terms of that's the symptoms are interfering with your life, your day-to-day. -day. But I want you to remember two key red flags. One, if the symptoms start to cause severe intense distress in yourself, or two, if the symptoms in any way interfere with your day-to-day -day function. So that may look like, you know, if an athlete, it impacts your athletic performance. Perhaps it impacts your relationship with your family, friends, or loved ones. Perhaps it impacts your work or your grades if you're a student as well. If these red flags are occurring one or the other, please do seek professional help. You don't have to suffer alone. And, you know, for those with loved ones, so the parents, the coaches, the support systems that may be listening to, if you're noticing the symptoms and these red flags in your athletes, in your loved ones, please nudge them in the direction of seeking help too, because mental health is just as important as physical health, even though that recognizing symptoms part might be a hurdle at times because of the nature of the symptoms not being as visible as a physical injury per se. Yeah, I wish it was visible. Sometimes, only sometimes. Sometimes 
Like people would probably be afraid to walk around me when I was really depressed. <laughs> just be like this like dark cloud just like looming around me right. where I went. Yeah. But I think it is really important to mention loved ones because I think we kind of forget, but we can really help people when we start to notice like, you know, you're not acting like yourself. And as coaches, I think coaches forget their role when it comes to mental health. They think, you know, oh, you're limping on the field. Okay physical therapy I'm sending you there. But they forget that you might notice that your athlete is all of a sudden really snippy with you or argumentative or really down on themselves every day. All these types of things are so important to recognize in them because if you're not recognizing it, you're kind of missing a big part of what's going on. So I think that's really important to talk about. And depression and anxiety in athletes is something really complicated because your depression and anxiety when you are playing can be very different from when you are, for example, retiring. Have you done a lot of work with athletes who have had to retire from concussions and how has that gone? Yeah, absolutely. 100% agreed because like you said, it's a different season of life, right? In an athlete's life, let me put it that way. And especially, I think in terms of retirement from sports, it's already a big change on its own. Imagine if it's unplanned, right? So perhaps a season-ending injury, variety of reasons, perhaps just you know having to be forced to retire from sports because of post-concussion symptoms, perhaps, or other reason. So it adds complexity of layers in terms of life stressors that, of course, can affect someone's mental state, mental well-being, and mental health. And it could go in the direction of making someone feel depressed or anxious as well. Just increase the mm -hmm. likelihood of having this mental challenge just down the road too. Yeah. And is there anything that you think athletes should really kind of consider or what they should do? Because for myself, retiring was probably one of, it's on the list of hard things that I've done for sure. And the mental like taking a break from it was really hard. Sometimes I recommend getting into the sport in a different way. Even if you're injured, like you could coach or be a ref. But sometimes you just have to walk away from it completely because being around it can be really emotional. So do you have any things that you kind of advise athletes when they are being forced to retire due to their health? Yes, it's a very tricky place to be, right? And like you mentioned, it could go different directions in terms of being surrounded in that particular sport that used to be our whole life, essentially, right, before retiring. So I think one key consideration is athletic identity, which just means, you know, the association of an athlete's self-worth, self-identity, who they are with that particular sport. So it's really important, though perhaps hard to practice, to remember and recognize that if you're an athlete listening, you're more than your sport, you know, mm -hmm. you're much more than that. You're someone very, very important, even outside your sport. So when that sports got taken away in the context, for example, of unplanned retirement, then you still feel, you still remember that you have a lot of things that you can contribute, that you can live for, that you're, you know, have a big impact to your loved ones. And that the second key thing that I would like to mention is to, I know for a lot of athletes doing that particular sport is their coping skills. So when it gets taken away, it makes it so much harder to deal with stress, right? To not be able to do that particular things that make you feel better when you're stressed. But perhaps if you can 
add to your arsenal, add to your toolbox some other coping skills, portable coping skills that you can do outside of your sports that would be really helpful. So this coping skills could look like mindfulness meditation, which would really, really help in terms of calming anxiety, improving your mood, improving your energy level, your rest, your sleep, your ability to focus as well as biologically at that brain stimulation growth factor or BDNF that helps with the function of our brain. It could look like deep breathing, deep intentional breathing with your diaphragm. So, you know, you could count to six while inhaling, count to six while pausing, count to six while exhaling and repeat it a couple of times to switch from that anxiety mental state. Or it could look like, you know, perhaps making time, literally scheduling time to do your hobbies, whether it's journaling, reading a book or what have you outside sport and incorporate it to your day-to-day routine or your weekly routine. So that you have more options to de-stress whenever the sports for any reason gets taken away. Yeah, so important that life after sport is huge. And when you're a teenager, it really doesn't feel like there is anything else. But I promise you there is. There's a lot more to your life left. And it doesn't have to do with sports or it can just in a different way. But I love the coping mechanism idea because that was something I really struggled with was number one, time. My health wasn't great, so it wasn't a big issue at the start because I could just sleep all day because <laughs> I was so tired because I had a lot of chronic fatigue. But after that, it was like, okay, well, usually I would go riding all day, all weekend. Every weekend was taken up. Every morning was taken up. I was studying in the day while I was at school what I should be doing next for sports, making nutrition plans, physical plans, all these types of things. So not having that, all of a sudden you have all this extra time in your life. You're like, well, how do I fill it? Or how do I handle my stress now? Because for me, it was a big stress relief. It's like you can turn your brain off from everything else going on in your life when you're on the field, in your sport, whatever it is. Even if you play musical instruments, that can be the same thing where your brain just kind of turns off from the rest of the world and I really like those like safe zones or I call them escapes. Like it's really nice to have an escape from your regular life because we all need one despite how amazing your life could be. But I really like those and trying to find one that isn't related to sports is really good because for me, I just kept looking for a new sport. It's like, well, I'll try this and this and this and this. This doesn't cause symptoms for my headaches. Let's try this. But I love all the breathing apps. Headspace is one of my absolute favorites. I use it if not daily, every second day at some point in the day or at night before I go to sleep or in the morning when I can't get up. And I find it really helpful because I'm not great at doing it myself because I just sit there and then I end up like on my phone texting or doing something like that, scrolling through social media. So those can be really helpful because you just like put the app on your screen and then don't touch your phone. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds bad, but like, I don't know, I'm addicted to my phone and I can admit it. So uh, (laughs) it's good to have a lot of different things for that. And reading audiobooks are a great escape too. If you have trouble with eye sensitivity and things like that, I really like them. Or this podcast, you know, I just had to put it out there. But I think it's really good to find coping mechanisms. And remember, it's going to take time. The first thing you try might not work. Like I tried a crochet, painting. I tried like a few different things that I was terrible at. The crochet is one of them. I still have a blanket that's half done from COVID, those types of things. So it's okay to try 30 things and then find the best thing. And maybe you just keep trying new things because nothing works. 
but maybe it's the exploration of trying new things that helps you. But anything that can help, I strongly advise it because the stress is really hard. And all of a sudden you have that time, you need stress relief. Like for myself, I talk about a lot on the podcast that I dirt bike now for my stress relief, but I also have like safe coping mechanisms. For example, on Sunday, while we're recording this, I was supposed to go and couldn't because I woke up with a headache that morning. And so instead of dealing with excruciating pain while riding a dirt bike, even though I know I would be able to ignore the pain, I did other coping mechanisms to kind of handle my day. So it is important to have things that you can just do at home and not go out of the house because sometimes we need those too. But I love that advice. Kind of obsessed about the coping because we really need those. And life after sport is huge. Don't forget it, despite the fact that your brain's telling you that there isn't one. And so I did want to ask, is there anything else you would like to add before we end today's episode? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're an athlete, you know, current athlete, aspiring athlete, former athlete who just retired perhaps, and you're listening and you're suffering right now, you know, I just wanted to highlight one more time, although we're conditioned almost to always tough it out, but at what expense, right? That your well-being. And I know, you know, as an athlete, time is literally a luxury, right? You may not have time right now with all that's going on, the practice, you know, hitting the gym, the competition, what have you, life in general. But if not now, when? Until things just snowball and get out of control. So I'd like for you all, the listeners out there, to imagine with me. Imagine if you could feel your best again. Imagine if you could enjoy your sports, not just on the outside, not just superficially, but truly, truly enjoy it on the inside, like when you first started. Imagine if you can feel your best again, perhaps outside your sports, feeling just fulfilled and content with everything in your life, with your relationship, your family, your work, your friends, your loved ones, your life in general. Please remember that your mental health is worth it. You are worth it. And help is just a click, an email, a phone call away. You know, the steps that we talked about earlier. I also do offer additional free resources at my website, lifestyletelepsychiatry.com slash subscribe. Or either way, you can always get in touch on Instagram at lifestyletelepsychiatry.com. Well, thank you so much. And we will have links to everything in our show notes. So thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your work with concussed athletes. Thank you so much. Need more than just this podcast? Be sure to check out our website, postconcussioninc.com to see how we can help you in your post-concussion life. From a support network to one-on-one coaching, I believe life can get better because I've lived through it. Make sure you take it one day at a time.